Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome back to another episode of JT and the Don. I am Donato Bucci, the Don, and please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. We do have a special episode for you today because we have a special guest, our in-house resident Carolina Panthers expert and a little bit of all other sports, Mike Regina. But first, he'll come on a little bit later in the show. So first, I want to welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Feeling good. How about you? How you doing staying inside the house? Man, I'll tell you what, it's, it's tough because, you know, I try to be an active guy, try to get out there, Since show my when? athletic skills. Since when are your athlete, wow, athletic skills? <laughs> one time somebody compared you to an NFL player. I don't think it was because of your athletic Who was that, though? I was think a, it was because of your hair. A great NFL player. I think it was because of the hair. Who was you that? Took, you who took was that. I don't, I don't remember who Yeah, was. that's right. You don't know. <laughs> All but, right. Uh, what, what, do we, what do we got? Because I can't listen to you much longer. JT, I hope you, you are doing okay uh, in Miami. Um, so – First, let's get to it. The coronavirus is a big, big thing, obviously, right now and is definitely affecting sports. So we've discussed it before, JT, how it's affecting sports. But one thing that was interesting was, uh, again, as the as the, the date of this recording, the NBA owners have agreed to pay the players until April 1st. So basically in a couple of days. But it's unclear yet how the players will be paid and if they will beyond April 1st, because they do get a check usually the 1st and then the 15th of every month. So with no games scheduled to be played, uh, you know, into April 15th, it's kind of unsure how this is going to play out. So in your opinion, JT, should the players be paid beyond April 1st, even if the season is canceled or if they have to go straight into like playoff mode? That's a real interesting question because it, it depends on whose perspective you're looking at this from. So if you're looking at it from the owner's perspective and we're putting ourselves in their shoes, no, you don't want to pay people for a job they're not doing. Well, that just makes smart business sense. But this comes down to the NBA gets to live with that reputation of, oh, the good thing about their league is their contracts are all guaranteed. So guaranteed means rain, sleet, or snow, I'm getting all my money. So I, me personally, I think, the league can afford it because they're paying them guaranteed money anyway all the time. Why well, hold on, hold on a second. Remember, there was that clause that we talked about, I think, in episode 40, that force majeure clause where even during a pandemic. Yeah, the, was, was it the, the doomsday provision? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah, good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's in there. And I guess, you know, they can act that because it's in their CBA. They agreed to it. But I mean, it just depends on. What the players union and the owners like where they this will really test as far as what level and like what page they're on it'll show everyone the type of relationship that they have because they nba always gets the better rep over the nfl like we treat our players better well we have a better partnership with them 
how they react to this will really, 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 you know, go a long way as far as keeping that perception either way within the public eye. But I, I, I want to say something else. I saw something really interesting. I don't know how true this is, but it looks like the NBA season, they're going to try to get the regular season back up and running. So I was reading that they're trying to make sure all the staffs and like all the players are coronavirus free. And what they're going to do is fly everyone to like um, a remote location and they're just going to play out the games there and broadcast them. I saw somewhere where it's like they wanted to, they have a place in the Bahamas where all the teams can go there and just stay there and they'll just play the games there. Or like I saw something crazy, like they could go to like aircraft carriers. So, I mean, I think the goal is they want to have the season resume and then have maybe the finals run just a little bit later than it normally would. Yeah, I saw that same thing. They were even talking about maybe like Las Vegas because they can kind of get like the resort or um, maybe in a non-NBA city that has not been a hot spot and that has had a small number of cases to where all the players can go there even if it's a smaller arena because there's probably not going to be any fans. As far as this question, you're right. It's a really interesting one. I would say first, if anyone is going to get paid for not working these events, I think the teams should pay the staff, the seasonal employees, and the hour, the hourly employees first for the games that would be missed for the home. That's crazy that some people haven't done that. I saw. I think uh, the Knicks are still like debating whether or not they're going to pay the employees during this situation. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, Dolan. Like, are you trying to be thought of as a? Can I even say? Are you? Oh, potty are you, jar. We're up to are, two bucks. <laughs> Are you trying to be thought of in that way? Like, this is an easy way for people to actually think something good about you. Go ahead and pay your employees. Like, this is ridiculous. Well, I'm not as up to speed on the uh, on the Knicks situation. But after those employees get paid, because I think they should get paid before the players at this point, um, because hopefully the players have been saving up. Now, I think, to be honest, JT, I think the players should get paid. And I'll tell you why, whether there's games or not. This is going to be, this is going, they're going to be in the good graces of the NBA PA, especially for the next CBA. So they got to think the long-term game. Here you have, last year, the Pelicans and Grizzlies made $224 million. They were the lowest in revenue of the NBA. The Knicks were the highest at $472 million revenue that they brought in. Now you need to include expenses. But my whole point is the cap this year was $109 million. There's 18 games left, which is 22% of the season. So 22% of the cap is $24 million in salary for each team to, to pay basically the rest of the way. So you're telling me you can't take these billionaire owners and the billionaire ownership groups that bring in, again, the Knicks, $472 million plus. They just sold the forum for $400 million to the Clippers. So obviously the Clippers have money if they're buying the, the forum for $400 million. You're telling me they can't expense another $24 million whether there's games or not the rest of the way? Like, to me, that just seems a no-brainer that, hey, long-term, this is going to put you in the good graces of the NBA PA for future CBAs. They'd be like, hey, remember when we did this? Yeah, we, so scratched, don't cr- your, we scratched your back exact- during this time. Yep, exactly. exactly. You're always trying to negotiate something for the future, man. Got to look long-term. Oh, gosh, sounds like a, an attorney. Um, so let's switch gears to football. I feel like Tom Brady is 
the fact that he finally is playing for somebody other than the Patriots, would you say, like, I feel like he's getting all the football headlines and he hasn't even done oh, anything yet? Oh, for sure. They just keep recycling that he's back to the <laughs> – that he signed with the Buccaneers. Like, that was a week ago, guys. Yeah, I know. All I see is these uh, these Tom Brady memes of, oh, Tom Brady two weeks in Florida and he's got, like, the cornrows and gold teeth. And, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's just going to turn into that when he comes to Florida. But did you hear uh, – I don't even know why this is a story, but – they were saying that when he first signed with the Bucks, his only request was that he wanted the phone numbers and contact info of all his receivers. I'll, it sounds like to me that sounds like something Brady would do. But yeah, yeah. do you believe he did that, or do you think he's doing too much? Uh, I agree with you. I think I do believe it because that's Tom Brady, right? That's the TB12 method. But I would say his first request though was in the negotiations that he wanted minimum twenty five million dollars a year. So that's what I would say there, and then. Um, is he doing too much here? Oh man. I mean, I think so because his, his first request JT, and I'm having a little bit of fun with this here. His first request of the Buccaneer should have been, you're bringing back the creamsicle jerseys of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. Really? Yes. That's what it should have been. Not the phone numbers of his receivers. Like he can't hit them up on a DM and IG. Come on. Wow. I mean, yeah, of course, this should have been the first thing because Tom Brady's all about business and getting to work. So he's like, look, I know the pressure that's on me going to Tampa. Everybody's looking for me to fail. Also, I'm in a division with elite quarterbacks that have been with their teams. They know their personnel. They have experience together. Yeah, I know I got weapons. I want to get those guys so we can get to work. But also, I want to make sure that they're on my same level of preparation and work. So I'm with it. But Okay, so this scares the hell out of you. So let's go back to where he used to play in New England. So did you hear what Colin Coward said? Mm, no. Well, he says a lot, but this one really stood out <laughs> to me. I should so, have said, yeah, what are you talking about specifically? <laughs> all he does is talk. Shout out to Colin Coward. But uh, apparently on his show, he was saying that the Patriots have this grand scale plan uh, at quarterback and how they're going to replace Tom Brady because they haven't signed anybody. I think Brian Hoare is the only guy on the roster that's startable. And he was saying that the grand plan is to tank this year and go get Trevor Lawrence in next year's draft, which scares the hell out of me because that's the plan for my Dolphins. Please tell me you're not buying this. Well, first, yes, shout out to Colin Coward. We are fans of his show. Um, no, I'm not buying this tanking for Trevor by the Patriots because Bill Belichick, unless I'm mistaken, is still the coach in New England, and they have the number one defense from last year, basically pretty much returning except for maybe a couple pieces. But So they couldn't yeah, tank. The, the, yeah, the pieces that aren't returning just went to Miami. <laughs> According to you, we're overpaid on top of that. So they couldn't tank. Even if they tried, JT plus Belichick believes he can find a QB in later rounds. So why would he want to tank or tank for Trevor when he always feels I'll find one in the third, fourth round? Ryan Mallett, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jared Stidham. So assistant oh, coaches. You mean, you mean pick six Jared Stidham against the Jets? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick's really confident going into the season. With You know what? I got Jared Stidham in my back pocket. Watch out. I'll show you guys. But what I'm saying is he believes he can find those QBs and mold them. Plus, the assistant coaches and players, they have to do their best. He always says, do your job, right? They have to do their job to the best because they can't take days off. 
They can't take plays off and definitely not games off because if they do, guess what, JT? Mm -hmm. They're looking for a job. I'm actually going to disagree with you. I'm buying 100%. You're just scared they're they're going to steal Trevor away from because, your Dolphins. Because this is something that Bill Belichick would do. And also, too, you got to realize it's Trevor Lawrence. This might be the greatest quarterback prospect to come out of college since Elway. Like, just think about that. And that's how people feel within these, you know, scouting circles that he is going to save your franchise for the next 15 years if you have the opportunity to get him. And guess what? Belichick's been trying to find that successor to Brady. He he had he had to end up keeping Brady, got some additional Super Bowls out of it. He's never going to be in the opportunity again to draft somebody like what Trevor Lawrence has as potential upside. So I'm all into it. Also, too, it it also might not be Lawrence. I've heard reports that he might be trying to acquire Deshaun Watson now that things have gone sideways in Houston. So he's definitely in the market to get another quarterback. And I hope it's not true because I told you, this is I, how long have I been on this train of this is what the Dolphins are going to do? Oh, for like a year and a half now. Since the end of the, uh, what was that, the 2019 National Championship game? Yeah, I'm like, this is going to be the Dolphins' plan. I'll tell you what, it, it might be crazy. Do you, do you feel, as we get closer and closer, do you feel like that I'm kind of starting to be a little bit right that the Dolphins might have a plan, this is what they're going to do? Yeah, but I'm scared they might get a little bit overexcited and take like Tua, for example, or trade up yeah. for him. I feel like we'll know more in April when they have the draft. If we pass on Tua, then all bets are off. I, I think we're going all in on Trevor. If they even have the draft in April, but oh, they said that they said they plan to have it as that, usual. Yeah. They're just gonna re, just gonna um, have it from like the different teams' perspective and show like what's going on in the war rooms. Yeah, um, I thought you were gonna say the 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 best quarterback prospect to come out in the draft since either like Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell. Next, what are we talking about? All right. So speaking of two other number one, former overall draft picks, your boy, Jameis Winston and uh, Cam Newton. So at the time of this re recording, Cam has been released. Jameis, a free agent, neither have been signed. So JT, is it unfair to have written off these two QBs as starters for this upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you see guys like Ryan Tannehill, even Case Keenum, which I, I know you think it's a good signing, but as a backup, he got all that guaranteed money. There's a bunch of sorry starters and backups in the league that I can't believe actually occupy a roster spot. Shoot, Josh Rosen's on a roster somewhere, and we I think we can all admit that he's not a top 10 pick that we thought he was. Dude, Cam was a former MVP, what, 2015? That's not that long ago. He got hurt, a serious list frank injury, and guess what? He was stuck behind a line that was getting him killed. So if he's even remotely close to what he was, that's an MVP caliber player. At very least, you bring him in to be a backup. And Cam is not the kind of guy that rocks the boat, neither is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns last year. How does that guy go from doing that to now, you know, Bruce Arians has to get on the phone and kind of, you know, campaign for him to get on a roster. That's ridiculous. They are, this is the same thing that happened to Vince Young. He did enough to make a Pro Bowl. He did enough to save Jeff Fisher's job, but because either some people didn't like their style of play or they don't view them as, I'm going to just say, it, they don't view them as intelligent quarterbacks or quarterbacks that you can build around. 
we're just not going to even give him a backup job. Yeah, I think this is ridiculous. There's no way these two shouldn't already be signed. To be, to be honest with you, I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think he's better than, than these two guys. And they're already going in on, all in on Teddy, throwing him all his guaranteed money. How is Jameis Winston putting up the stats he put up last year and he's not one of the first quarterback free agents off the market? I just don't get it. Well, the question is as a starter. Now, I'll agree with you as far as backups. How much they get paid, I don't know. But you're right there with the backup part. But the starter part, I disagree. You don't. On, you don't. Th you don't think Jameis Winston could be a could be a starter. You don't think he should be a starter. This upcoming season, yeah. no. And I'll tell you why. So, he in his NFL career. Let's be honest. It's like Mariota. They've done nothing. They've done nothing to warrant that they should be a starter before anybody else, right? So he's done nothing but throw interceptions. And sometimes, JT, that's hard to that's hard to change. So, so, so good quarterbacks don't turn the ball over. But bro, he's throwing over thirty a season, and I'll tell you why he led the league in yards. Because he can't see. He I'm, he he threw interceptions because he can't see. He got that fixed, man. Okay, we'll see about that. But you know why he led the league in yards? Because his team was always behind because of his pick his sixes. Defense, his defense, no, sucks. because of his interceptions, his pick sixes. So of course he's gonna have the most passing yards because then. Plus, they had no running game, so he's just winging it, which that's not all Jameis's fault. But to say, oh, he should be entrenched from day one as a starter of one of these 32 NFL teams? No. Now, do I agree with you? There's some other guys that should not be starting. I agree with that. But so that James, is why, so, so, that so is why Mario – hold on. That is why Mariota is now a backup. I'm not saying Jameis should not be a backup. I'm saying he should not be a starter from day one. And that's Jameis. Cam, I have a different opinion, but I'll let you ask your question to me first. So Jacksonville, uh, the Chargers, the Rams, the Bears, the, uh, Washington, and I'll even I'll even go with uh, Tennessee. You don't think he could be a starter for those teams? But again, it depends on the situation of those teams, like the Redskins basically he, he's he's better he's better than any quarterback on that roster no doubt Redskins. about it the sure, Bears, but he's better than any quarterback on us on that roster that's, and he, that's and that goes, where i would and that goes for cam see, newton too again that's Jackson where I would, he's better than any quarterback on that roster that's what it comes down to no the Chargers, it doesn't they don't what even have a quarterback no saw, what it comes saw, down we saw, to we saw what tyrod taylor could do in cleveland we saw what he can do in buffalo is, if you limited you would let me and, speak if you would let me speak i will answer your question Yes. Is Jameis better as a quarterback than Haskins? I would say yes. Is he better than Tyrod as straight up? We're talking about his his physical skills yes. and his quarterback yes. skills. Yes, yes we know. but this is the problem. Is he better JT? than Mitch Trubisky, but, who you but, hate? But this is why we are not NFL executives. Because do you think he could have won that Super Bowl with the Eagles? No, but Nick Foles can because it depends on your character as well and how you run a team. Is Jameis better as a QB? Absolutely. But you know what Nick Foles can do? He can win games for you and win them the way you want them to be done for that team. You know what's funny? And that is why you know Tyrod – you know hold on. That is why – point. hold on. That is why Tyrod is going to start for Anthony Lynn in, in L.A. for the Chargers instead of them bringing in Jameis. And Anthony Lynn will be fired because they're not going to be doing anything this year because Tyrod Taylor can only take you so far. But you brought up a good – uh, point with the Eagles yeah you know why Nick Foles did so well the same reason that Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate for a stretch they got good coaching he had one year in Tampa with a good coach and look what he did 
He oh, well, hold on, the- hold on. All those years you told me how great Dirk Cutter was as an offensive coordinator. Now you want to rip him? You agreed when they fired Lovey Smith for him. And I was like, why are you firing Lovey Smith for this unproven head coach? Yeah, I mean, Dirk Cutter was was decent, but I mean, he's not Bruce Arians level. I mean, would you agree that Doug Peterson and especially when they had Frank Reich in Philly, it's obvious like that was a, a all-star coaching staff. And you can see oh. the, the the Philadelphia Eagles even regressed a little bit when they took a, when they kind of dismantled that staff. Jameis has had one good year and admit it, he's had one good year with who you would consider, you know, top 10 offensive coaching in the league. And look what he did. Yeah, he made his mistakes, but he's still growing, and he led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And, and that goes that back show, to, that shows growth and that shows potential. That, that that's goes, what that's what NFL that's what NFL teams and GMs are all about. But that goes I'm back about to this Ryan Tannehill. You show me six or seven decent games or a season where you can play, everybody in the league's all in on you. And but I just that, that but that goes, doesn't apply to guys like Jameis Winston and Cam Newton for that, some whatever reason. That goes back to my point that I was making. You're talking about oh, he's growing. Bro, he was a number one overall pick end of five years. At this point, that's like, do we want to take a chance on this guy that we think we can change him? Do we want to take a chance on this guy who we who we knew was in a crappy situation? But the Redskins, but the Redskins had draft capital on Haskins. They got to take that chance. You can't just bring in Jameis and say, here, it's your job, and we're gonna kick Haskins to the number two. There's too much money and too many, too much draft capital involved. Anyway, with Cam, I agree. This guy five years ago was an MVP, and I think I think we all still believe that he can that that player is still there, the MVP player. The only thing that's hampering him from getting signs the injuries, especially now with the coronavirus. Because if someone told you he's hundred percent healthy, told the GMs that someone would have picked him up by now for a lesser contract than what he was getting with Carolina, but they would still probably make him the starter day one, his job to lose. So. Um, but that was a good debate, JT. That that was that was a good one because I think a lot of people that a lot of people can debate that one, and it's yeah, it's, it's just a, totally disagree with you on Jameis. But go ahead, and that, I can't believe I'm up here defending a, a FSU guy. But whatever. you know, and that's the thing you're gonna and look I, bad I, in front I, of you're I gonna look that, bad in front of a, all the Miami Hurricanes. I know that's fans. a part of your thing. Like it, you you won't admit it, but the, you've said this to me before. You're not gonna root for him because he's an FSU guy, and you dislike him because. He was successful at FSU. He was winning national championships while we were going seven well, and whatever. See, you made it plural. He won one national championship. It and felt that's like two. And, and that's that how was, long it's been since we won one. And that was because of Devontae Freeman and Delvin uh, nah, Cook. He was, it was because he was a – Anyway, a, so a speaking of quarterbacks, quarterback. speaking of quarterbacks taking number one overall, Peyton Manning, he reportedly turned down a contract offer from ESPN to be in the booth for Monday Night Football starting in the 2020 season. The contract – reportedly may have topped Tony Romo's 10-year contract worth $140 million. JT, should he have taken that deal? I know you're probably going to disagree with me on this. I don't think he should have taken it. And I'm going to tell I'm you gonna why. I'm going to disagree. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why for two reasons. And this, this might answer another question you're going to ask me. But one, I think he probably realized that Monday Night Football is like a graveyard for – for football analysts, everybody that every time that they bring new people on that show, it is just like ripped apart. They do terrible, and like the brand is kind of tainted from the you know announcer standpoint. One, two, I just don't think he wants that kind of pressure to live up to Tony Romo because that's a high bar to go and get. You're you're supposed to be. It's like 
Michael Jordan comes into the league and like everybody after that this draft is like, oh, we're drafting you to be the next Jordan. And odds are you're not going to live up to that. And so you, you think you think that's why he's turning these contracts? I think that's why now? he's turning it down. <laughs> he knows that this because guess what? Tony Romo, everybody thinks he's a good quarterback, but he's nowhere near as smart, at least perception wise, as Peyton Manning when it comes to the game. And if Peyton Manning's on your show calling your games, they're like, oh, we got the smartest player probably ever. <laughs> yeah. And he's not put he's not calling the game like Tony is. Oh, it's going to be bad for him. So I just don't think he I think I don't think his ego wants to take a, a, a hit like that. Well, yeah, I disagree with you. He should have taken it. It's easy money. It's probably all guaranteed. But he don't, but he don't need it, though. That's the it's thing. His, at this it's, point, his ego, his ego is worth more than $20 million. But he can still do all the other stuff that he does, make his money, do his detail stuff on uh, ESPN Plus and still make money. And he knows football. So I think at the end of the day, he probably would be really good, if not great. But and bro, bro, Monday night, remember Monday night football back in the day, JT was known for its announcers. Howard back, how, Cosell, how long ago? How long ago Howard you, Cosell, oh God, Frank you Gifford. Up, you bring it up, Cosell and Gifford. Al Michaels, on, Al Michaels and John Madden. Literally, all those guys are like eighty years old. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but he can point. bring that back. He can bring that back. And you know and, what Monday night football is known for? Jason Witten, Booger McFarlane, Emmett Smith when he was on there creating new Dennis, words in the dictionary. Dennis Miller, Dennis, Dennis Miller. Miller. Like it's terrible. Tony I'm, Kornheiser. Yeah, but even but even more, I'm telling you, he's it's the Tony Romo effect. A lot of guys well, are not gonna go into this because Romo just stepped in and just killed it. I'm glad you brought that up because I totally agree. I, I think that he might be worried, he looks bad. And you know, if he does, you know, he's a guy that strives for greatness. So if he can't be as great or better than Romo, I think that is gonna kill him you inside. Know, even more, I it's not that I think I think he does strive for greatness. I just think he's a guy that's used to people kissing his ass and telling him he's the greatest at everything. And <laughs> this is good. If he I'm telling you, the odds that he lives up to being Tony Romo in this it's this tough. whole situation is yeah. tough. I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. And I think you're right. Part of it's his freedom, right? He can go and do commercials whenever he wants, he can show up online via zoom and a university of tennessee class and not have to worry about contractual duties so uh, i i agree with you there that's why he's turning it down but i don't know man 140 million over 10 years it's a fun job take yeah, the but you're, easy money but you're, but you're thinking as a guy that's like you know what why would you turn <laughs> this down you get to do something that i love to do and they're paying you 140 million for it like you wouldn't care if people say you sucked you just go for the experience and the money you don't need I would care are you, you kidding me care. I you care when care. people say I, you know, I got to get better, and I learned from that on this podcast. Yeah, but your ego, your ego wouldn't be as crushed as his would. Okay, well that's true. All right, so let's talk about somebody with ego. We'll get to him somewhere in this next uh, topic. Uh, but uh, Kyle Shanahan and Odell Beckham. So you know, there's been rumors circulating this offseason of whether or not the Browns are going to trade OBJ or whether or not they're going to keep him. But this rumor just keeps coming up, and it's not going away. So apparently Kyle Shanahan, uh, the head coach of the Niners, is gearing up to make a big offer to trade for Odell. Uh, but also, too, I want to ask you a question on this. Apparently, this is not the first time that Shanahan's tried to get OBJ. Uh, apparently, he's been trying to get him ever since he was with the Giants. And he it's known in you know NFL circles that Shanahan is enamored with OBJ as a player. And he really wants to see how he fits in the system. Do you think this will actually happen this offseason that Shanahan's going to make a move that's going to get OBJ out to the Bay? 
Nope. And I'll tell you why, because Jay Glazer said it will not. He was on the athletic.com just the other day, and he's saying there's no truth to it. Jay um, Glazer and, is like the NFL woes. Like, yeah, players go and, to see what Jay Glazer says yeah, to see if it's actually going to happen. Yeah, and remember, he called weeks in advance that OG, OBJ would be traded from the Giants, and then it happened when he got traded to the Browns. And the 49ers, the building draft capital. Like, you saw they traded DeForest Buckner, got the 13th pick, which they now can use to take a receiver if they feel they need a receiver. And – they gave up a third and fourth rounder for Emmanuel Sanders, and you saw what happened there. He's gone now. And basically with OBJ. Yeah, but, but we, you, we, we like Emmanuel Sanders, but he's not OBJ. Well, that's true. And what I was going to say with OBJ, the problem is his guarantees after uh, this season, they're done as far as on his contract. So you know what he can do? He can point Antonio Brown and decide, I'm going to hold out. I want another big contract. And now you're in this situation you traded – for OBJ for one year and now you have to re-up and are you willing to do that and will you have enough draft uh enough salary cap because you know they're, they're getting tight on yeah I mean I know you said that Jake Glazer said it's not going to happen but can we give Bart Scott some credit I mean he does work at ESPN <laughs> what he, I mean okay he's, the, he's, he's on the, the block one, he's the one that okay. came out and said that OBJ is on a trading block and to be honest with you he's not the only one that said that we did a we did a whole topic on another show about you know are the Browns you know gonna trade him are they done should they trade him so obviously everybody in the sports world knows something they're hearing something from somebody whose cousin works at the Pentagon somebody knows something that internally Cleveland's not all in on OBJ I think Shanahan will try I don't know if it's actually gonna go through but why would he not he has nothing to lose the only way they're gonna get over the hump and develop Jimmy Garoppolo even further is you got to give him more weapons because they have no receivers other than George Kittle can't have your tight end being your best receiver and expect to go win the Super Bowl so I think that they will do it only thing that I think will shut this down is I told you you know how you know how I feel about Dave Gettleman and I was reading the reason that they didn't initially do this trade when OBJ was in New York was Gettleman just simply said I didn't want to trade him to Shanahan because I didn't want to look stupid in two years when he goes to the Niners and balls out. And that's, that's the only reason why I didn't trade him to the Niners. And that's why I traded him to Cleveland because I didn't think he would do good there. And it, it had a less chance of blowing up in my face. So I'm not so sure that the people in Cleveland aren't kind of thinking the same thing of, we know he was hurt last year. Let's give him one more year to see what a healthy OBJ can do with Baker Mayfield. And if it doesn't work, then we can consider trading him. Because if you trade a healthy OBJ to somebody like Kyle Shanahan and they go and win the Super Bowl, those guys that just traded him are going to be looking for new jobs. All right. So yes, just give me yes or no answers here real quick. If you're the Niners and you have to give them this year's 13th overall pick that you got from the Colts and then next year's third round pick, would you do it? Yes or no, if you're the Niners? I already did it in a heartbeat. Okay. If you're the Browns, would you be willing to get – the 13th overall pick and next year's third round pick from the Niners. If you ship them Beckham. Yeah, I would. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I think the contract situation will bite the Niners if they trade that 13th overall pick. Cause bro, this is the year. If you're going to get a receiver, think about this. If you're going to get a receiver, this would be the year to get in the first round, and you're going to get a good one at the 13th overall pick. Jerry, Judy, Ruggs, help me out. Who else is in there? D. D. Wiggins. Um, who's the other? Uh, Justin Jefferson. 
I mean, come on. Like I agree. It's it's a deep draft. And much cheaper. So. Yeah, but those guys aren't Odell. I think the only reason this won't happen, if here's the thing. If this happens this offseason, that tells me that the new uh new regime is out on Baker Mayfield. That's all that tells me. If if they keep him, that means they're like, you know what, we think Baker can be fixed, and we think last season was just an aberration. Yeah. Um, let's keep it in football. Todd Gurley, we talked uh last time or during our NFL free agency show that he had been cut by the Rams. Now signed immediately pretty much by the Falcons, JT, to a one-year deal worth six million. Do you like that move by the no, Falcons? No, because they I just they shipped out one injury prone, broken down running back in Freeman for another one in Gurley. Unless yeah. they got a new knee in Atlanta that we don't know about. Absolutely <laughs> not. This is stupid. I agree. And then on top of that, you said Freeman, he's already dead cap of six million. Now Gurley, another six. They're paying this is the way you could look at it. Gurley is taking up 12 million of the cap. They're they're doing <laughs> what you you would consider your worst nightmare. They're, yes. All all their money is tied up in broken down <laughs> running backs. And like, one's if, not even on the roster. Yeah, if you if you if you went and looked at their books, I feel like you'd have a heart attack. Like you'd be like, "No, this this can't be real. This this is your literally your worst nightmare." Yep, yep. I mean, bro, they're they're 12 million, 12 and a half million under the cap. And they've signed Gurley and Dante Fowler. Like they still need six point four million for their rookie class. Like it's a mess right now. I don't know what they're doing. All right, so let's go. Let's go back to the NBA. Let's talk about a guy I know you uh, got a lot of respect for. Paul oh, I couldn't Pierce. wait for this talk Paul with JT. Pierce. Paul Pierce. Um, I, have you listened to the All the Smoke podcast with uh with Stack and Matt Barnes yet? I'm not gonna lie. You know, we try to listen to a lot of different podcasts. I leave that one for you. Uh, I just I don't have time to get to that one. I will say this, man. They, they've done a phenomenal job. Shout out to them. It's a really good podcast. And um, they always have, you know, people that are, you know, former athletes or current athletes or people that are, you know, big wigs in the sports world. And they always just kind of let them come on and tell their story. So I was listening to the Paul Pierce episode last week and they were just kind of going through his career. A lot of stuff that I didn't know. And, you know, a lot of things that you don't get to see from like the outside looking in. But one of the things that came up, they were having the conversation of, you know, how he kind of went at D-Wade and saying that he had a better career, and he was explaining that entire situation. And it kind of made me want to ask this question to you and get your opinion. Do you think that it's a possibility that Paul Pierce could be the most underrated NBA player of all time? No way. Not possible. I'll give you, I'll give you one give example. Me two, give me two guys that you okay. would put at, over him as the most underrated of all time. I'm, I'm talking about – not just stats, but just right. impact on the game. I got the you. The way he played his position. And that people maybe forget about this yeah. guy. I, I got you. Well, first, can I go real quick that he's a drama king. All right, game one, 2008 finals. He now comes up with the excuse that, oh, I only played that injury off of my knee to get carted off because I needed so, to use the so, bathroom. So, 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 no, so, so you, know, you know what's funny? He that's right he, there why he can't oh, be underrated oh, can i can i can i just tell you this little bit that might change your opinion because you know he's on the show with those two guys they're gonna go right at him and ask look look man what happened with the wheelchair situation you know what he, he yeah he said he needed to use the bathroom no you know what he said that's not what he said on the show uh, what he's, he, he's lying again <laughs> what he said was he went down and the training staff immediately called for the wheelchair and they wouldn't let him put any weight on his foot they immediately made him get in the wheelchair. He went back because he said he felt a pop. So he went back, got wheelchair back to the locker room. They were getting ready to run all these tests. And he was like, hey, guys, I haven't put any weight on it. Let me see if I can put some weight on it first. 
He said he put some weight on it. He was able to say, like, hey, it's a light sprain. Let me get back out there. He's saying that it, it just happened so fast. And, you know, you feel a pop. Athletes are going to automatically think the worst. And the training staff would not let him walk. They called for the wheelchair. It wasn't him. No. And I don't believe that because now he's changing the story again. Because originally, just like last year, it was he needed to use the bathroom and was embarrassed. Anyway, he only won that title. He only won one title, and he won that because of KG and Ray Allen. So to answer your question, the two guys I came up with, Dominique Wilkins, all right, not only was he a dunker, two-time champion, he averaged 25-plus points per game for his career. Up until, like, LeBron in, in this new wave came in, up until, like, 2010, 2011, he was one of only six players to average 25 points in 10 consecutive seasons. The other five, JT, Jerry West, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, Shaq, and Allen Iverson. The other guy will give you that's underrated. Multiple reasons. And I don't know. You tell me if this is a good answer as far as underrated. Isaiah Thomas. The original Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit oh, Pistons. Not, not, not the little IT. <laughs> Two-time champion. All right. One, won a, won a title in 79 with the Indiana Hoosiers. Well, here's the thing. Two here's time, the, hold here's on. Let, let me tell you why. Two-time champion of the Pistons. And he played in the 80s, JT. He had to go through the Celtics. The Bulls, the Lakers, the Trailblazers. He had to go through physical contact. Yeah, and, I agree. And he got snubbed, and, and I know the reason why is because Jordan was on the Dream Team. But right there is the ultimate disrespect of why he's underrated. He got snubbed on the 92 Dream Team. This guy's a two-time champ, a Hall of Famer, top 50 of all time. He never gets the respect that point guard that you hear of Chris Paul, Magic Johnson. You know Magic Johnson is one of my favorite players. But you go down the list, the John Stocktons. Isaiah's never on that list with the Steph Currys. Like, it, it boggles my mind. Yeah, I, I agree that he's not the most underrated player of all time. I think why he's underrated is because, kind of like they were saying on that show, and I always thought this about Paul Pierce, he's just not flashy. But when you look up and see, like, what he does in the game and what he's done over his career, the dude can ball. Like, he's got a good shot. He's got good footwork. Like, he can play multiple positions, and he's clutch. I will say he's probably more so the most underrated clutch player. Like, he's in that group of all time. Because when it's time and the game's on the line, you're going through Paul Pierce. Like, he can he can score on anybody. Like, remember when he dropped all those, well, like, 50, 40-something on Kobe, like, in prime Kobe? Like, and you also forget that Pierce played on a lot of bad teams before, you know, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett got there. But, yeah, there's just too many guys. Like, one guy that I think is underrated as hell – and I don't even think Paul Pierce is in his class, is Charles Barkley. Like, That's Barkley, to me, Barkley would probably be my most underrated player of all time because he gets no respect from, like, the casual fan. And it's I think he's disrespected amongst, like, player circles at times. It's because of the ring. He's missing a ring. And, and because he has a big mouth. <laughs> you have a second guy or you just got the one? Because you asked I mean, me there's so two. many, I, like, uh, I know. I Moses didn't Malone, Carl Malone. Um, I think Pippen's underrated. Yeah, I would uh, say Pippen's Pippen would have been my third guy. Pippen's very underrated. There's, yeah, I, to me, I think there's a guy that he played with on his own team. That when you look back, he's going to be underrated. I think it's Kevin Garnett. Like he came out of high school, how he changed the game, how how many years he wasted in Minnesota, like prime KG. Like go talk to other guys that have been in the league. They're like, man, we never seen anything like KG. There's nothing you could do with him. Like easy, like just from a physical perspective. But there, yeah, there's too many guys that are in that yeah. underrated. You brought up some good ones too. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of it is he wasn't flashy. I'm not saying he wasn't a good player. He was a very good player. Maybe 
probably Hall of Fame worthy, you would say. Oh, he's, so, de- he's definitely going to be in the Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, so like, but most under most underrated, no. To answer the question, most underrated, no. But but still up up there. Um, Trey Jones, the Duke basketball player, has declared for the NBA draft. I wanted to get some college basketball in here, JT, because I miss it with no uh, March Madness, no NCAA tournament. Was this the right move by him as an individual? I guess, but I mean, this is the same guy that two years ago when Zion, Reddish, and Barrett last, were there last, last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah, last year he wasn't even allowed to take open shots in games. So I, I haven't watched a lot of Duke basketball this year, but I hope he's progressed past that point. But I guess whatever. I I, I don't think he's really going to be all that special in the NBA. Well, I think it's the right move. Um, unlike you, I did watch some games, but you can't take things for granted anymore. And, and the coronavirus has shown us that. And if he thinks, hey, I'm ready, I can make some money, get myself in a good financial position for the rest of my life, you got to do it. He had, you're right, last year, rough season. This year, JT, listen to these numbers, pretty good. 16 points per game, four boards, six and a half assists with 1.8 steals. He improved from his, his freshman year. He just had more usage. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. Like, yeah, hey, it shows he's a good team player. He's willing to take the backseat to the superstar. But when you need him to do it, he can step up. What I, I mean, just, I, maybe, I think maybe he's ready. Maybe you're right. I just can't get that image out of my head of <laughs> those three guys were the only people that were allowed to shoot. And Duke is known for getting the ball to guys that are somewhere on the three point line and they're open. You take that shot and they're just yeah. passing up open shots. So, yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is he's got DJ Stewart and Jeremy Roach, two incoming freshman guards. So it's probably going to take a lot of uh, play, some playing time away from him. Real quick, JT, yes or no? And if your answer is no, who should it be? P.J. Walker was the first XFL player to sign with the NFL, signed by the Carolina Panthers. Should he have been the first XFL player to be signed by the NFL? Yeah, because he was basically the MVP of the league, and he was the best story in the XFL. Absolutely. I'm going to go no. It should have been his teammate, the receiver, Cam Phillips. The guy can ball. 31 catches. Are you just saying that because didn't the Steelers have him at one point? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. They may have been interested in signing him, but I don't think they had him. 31 catches, 455 yards, and nine touchdowns, JT, in four games. Who threw him? Four games. Who threw him the touchdowns? Hey, he made P.J. Walker look good. Uh, Well, time will tell. Well, JT, speaking of the Carolina Panthers, I want to bring in our special guest today. He is our in-house resident expert on the Carolina Panthers. So wait a minute. Hold on. on, Time out. You got beat writers now on the budget. You you, this is better than a beat. You always do this. You don't discuss budget changes with me. We, We always got new expenses. We got beat writers now. Because if I had to clear it through you first, we would we would never do anything. On oh, that's this show, cool. Okay, all right. So, Mike Regina, before JT rudely interrupted me, Mike Regina, our in-house resident Carolina Hurricane or Carolina Panthers expert. Sorry, uh, Mike Regina, welcome to the show, and thank you for coming on and taking your time to uh, talk a little football and sports in general. How are you doing? Thank today? you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great honor to be representing the Carolina Panthers. I mean, there's not too many uh, there's not too many experts on the Panthers out there. <laughs> I, know, I know you have to look real hard for me, but uh, well, yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been quite an interesting off season already for uh, for my team. 
they're uh, doing their best to uh, social distance themselves from winning. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're heading in a really interesting direction. So, Man, Regina's coming with the fire already. Uh, I, I'm, tell- I'm scared to even ask him. Can uh, we just get this out of the way? Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. Like it, love it, trash it. So I like Teddy Bridgewater as a player. I hate the signing. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for this roster um, and where they're at. Teddy, to me, is a guy who has done some really good stuff in his career. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. In order to turn this team around, he would need to be a great quarterback. He would need to be Mahomes type of talent. Uh, He's not like that. And so he needs a good team to play on. The Saints were a good team last year. Both sides of the ball, deep, you know, they were deep. Uh, that's the type of team he can win on. He can't win on this team. He's going to get annihilated behind our offensive line. And um, I just don't think that he's going to be able to do enough to have them succeed in any meaningful way. So with that being said, I don't understand the $40 million guaranteed. I mean, I know $20 million nowadays – Per year is not that big of a deal for quarterbacks, but um, I, I just I don't like the I don't like the signing for him. I mean, to me, Teddy Bridgewater would have been better off going to a, a, a team with a more complete roster because this is a total mess right now. Well, what about do you like? It's kind of a two part question. One, do you like the hiring of Matt Rule as a coach? And then two, how much blame do you put on him? in terms of the Teddy Bridgewater signing then for the Panthers? Well, I think a decision like that, I know they're the general manager, but when it comes to the quarterback, the the head coach has to have a say. And I'm, I'm a believer that he did have a, a, you know, a role in that there obviously was a tie with uh, Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater, but their time in the saints. So um, I definitely think the coaches had, uh, a say and a bit of an influence in that decision. Uh, I do like Rule. I, do, I did really like that signing as a head coach. I love the fact that they went out and got uh, Joe Brady as a, as a young offensive coordinator. But, you know, ultimately, if you're rebuilding, you know, I don't understand getting a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I, I, I feel like at that point, you're, you're better off going with a veteran who can just kind of get you through the next year, not cost you any money, and there's no long-term ties. Or you just go with a, a rookie um, and you kind of throw the Hail Mary pass and hope that you, you know, find the next Dak Prescott, okay? Uh, I, I don't really see Teddy Bridgewater succeeding with this, with this team. Um, and I think that it's going to look ugly for at least a year or two, and by that time – Teddy Bridgewater is going to be kind of branded as, oh, this didn't work out. And they're going to move on and end up drafting a quarterback, you know, either next year or the year after. So um, I just, to me, it seems out of place. I think Teddy should have gone to a deeper team. I know that there's some rumors that New England was interested. I think that would have been a good fit for both sides. So, um, you know, look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he succeeds. uh, But I, I think that we've seen enough of his work to kind of know where his ceiling is. I think he's got a high floor, but I think he's got a bit of a low ceiling. So, JT, I know you have a, a, a surprise question coming up, but let me get into the heart of it, right? Mike Regina, 
We want to know, have or did the Carolina Panthers handle this whole Cam Newton situation correctly? And if they did not, how would you have handled it? No, they didn't handle it correctly. First of all, I hate the fact that our general manager told the player to go seek a trade. Uh, The last time I checked, the job of the general manager is to make (laughs) trades. So to to tell the the player on, you know, Instagram to go do your job for you, I just don't understand that. Uh, That also destroyed any potential trade value that he had. Uh, And a few hours after that, you know, announcement, they went and signed Teddy Bridgewater. So at that point, the whole league knew Cam Newton had to be released. And uh, we couldn't get anything for him. And what, what I would have done differently is I would have made a decision on Cam Newton two weeks prior to the opening of free agency, the tampering period. And I would have moved him then. I mean, if you're going to tell me that the, the Bears who traded for Nick Foles wouldn't have given up a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick for Cam Newton, you're crazy. Okay they would have traded for him. In fact, you might have even gotten something significantly more than, than what they gave up for Foles. The timing was just all wrong. They destroyed their trade value with Cam Newton. I mean, they should have been able to get something for the former NFL MVP. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, Kyle Allen got traded for a fifth-round pick and Cam Newton got released. Uh, you, you can't tell me that they didn't botch that. They that, totally- sound, that just sounds crazy. That sounds, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds like the league is just backwards. We were just talking about that whole Cam Newton situation. I just – I think you guys gave up on him too early. That guy's an MVP, former MVP. Yeah, so- no, I, I agree with you. I think that I think that he could have – you know, at his salary, you know, why not bring him back and just see if, he, if he's healthy? You know, what did we have to lose? You know, if, if he comes back and he's not – Cam Newton, then chances are we're picking really high next year. You know, if you know, we we saw the results. When Cam's not 100%, he's actually not effective at all. And so we lose a bunch of games. We lost the last eight games with him. All right. And so in my eyes, you bring him back. If he's healthy, it's a win because you have Cam Newton healthy. And if he's not healthy, you're probably picking first or second next year. So um, I, I just think that they totally mismanaged the situation. I thought that they should have, you know, brought him back on that cheap salary and see if he's healthy. If not, draft Trevor Lawrence next year. I think JT and I both both agree with that uh, comment, uh, especially at the end uh, that you had there, Mike. Is there anything else before JT gets to his surprise question? Is there anything else that you want to get off your chest as a Carolina Panther expert and fan? Um, or you want to make a prediction on what you think they'll do this, this season? Well, um, I, I would say that, you know, there's a lot of rumors flying around. There's obviously a lot of talk about how the Panthers look like they're tanking and every player apparently is available. I know McCaffrey rumors have been out there. Um, But believe it or not, the one that if they trade him, I will probably stop watching is DJ Moore. I I just read that that he might be available. That makes no sense to me. Uh, He's a phenomenal player. Uh, you know, to me, the only thing this team has right now is McCaffrey and more. 
And, and if they trade either one of those two guys, I just, I don't know what they're doing. So I'm hoping that they realize that those are the two guys you have to build around offensively and defensively, you know, after Luke retired, we don't, we don't have much of anything. So I'd expect us to go pretty heavy on the defensive side in the draft. So hold on, let me write down in my fantasy football notebook, DJ Moore, JT, do not take that pick next year from me. Well, I should tell you, you're always stealing my guys. Nah, literally, nah. literally, I look at your team, I'm like, you know what? That's everybody that I had on my board. No wonder I don't win. Wow. Yeah, because Brad's not drafting for you anymore. And you have to do the job on your own. That's anyway, I open, I open the floor to you, JT, for, for Mike. What do you got for him? Uh, he, actually, he actually asked a lot of the questions that I was going to ask him. He answered them already. But um, I guess uh, the one thing that I didn't get to ask that I want your opinion on is, as a Carolina Panther fan, I – you probably would understand this, but I've never got this from the outside looking in. Why do I feel like the entire time that Cam Newton has been there is that I feel like his, the way that he'll be remembered from the outside looking in is one word underappreciated. Why do you think that's been while Cam Newton has been there? He's, he's been completely, um, uh, I, I would say in the eyes of, of, the, of, of the media, the way they reported on Cam Newton was always unjustified because to me, you know, he just kind of always got branded as this flashy guy and cocky. And honestly, I think it has a lot to do with the way he looks. Like he's just, a, you know, he's a good looking dude. He's, he's jacked. <laughs> you know, he's got that like charisma about him. But like, if you really look at his career, I mean, guy really didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I like he's, you know, the extent of, of, of his kind of mishaps were when he was young, he would pout on the sidelines after losing. Okay. Guess Everybody what? does that. I would do that too. I don't want my guys being happy when they lose. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl, he doesn't want to answer any questions. Okay. But they also had the Denver Broncos right on the other side of a curtain getting interviewed you know what I mean and uh, same thing he just lost the biggest game of his of his career like you know which the 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 things that that people you know kind of decided to harp on with Cam it just never really made much sense to me he was always doing the right thing and um you know he's just he's just a flashy guy and I think that that rubs people the wrong way sometimes you know he's I, for, for me, he, he was everything that, that we would have wanted from a quarterback. So, I mean, honestly, I, let's put it this way. I like Cam so much that I'm rooting for him to go to New England, and I hate New England. I, <laughs> I, think, I think we all do. <laughs> I, I hate New England, and as much as I hate the Patriots, I want him to go to a team where he could win because um, – he deserves it. So I'm, I'm hoping that he bounces back. So, Just not in the NFC. Uh, that's, that's some great insight into the Carolina Panthers. Mike, we appreciate it. Do you have time to stick around with us for the rest of the show? We'd love to have you on. Yeah, we got some yeah, fun absolutely. topics. All right. Appreciate yeah, no, it. I'm not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I was going to say earlier, you know, too bad the coronavirus has kind of quarantined people. Because if not, you could you could be in the Miami studio since you're down in Miami. You could be in the Miami studio with JT and I'd be the only one up here in the D.C. studio. So I know, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I, uh, I have no plans today, guys. All so. right. All right. Good. Good. Well, we love to have you on. So 
This next question is kind of a fun one. People can play at home with this one. I'll start with you, JT. Let's go to basketball, right? NBA, we're, we're missing it here toward the end of the season. What is or who is the best NBA big three of all time? Wow, you're coming with the fire today, man. I think that uh, was one of your questions in the production meeting. See, there I you go. I, I was trying to give I'm, you some credit, but, but there you go. You, you ruined it. You ruined it. I'm giving you credit for it. Dude, I got to go with the home team. It's the Heat. I, I, <laughs> I think I, would, I wouldn't be allowed back in this city if I picked the Spurs, even though they have the more accomplished big three. I just think that when you look back at it, what the Heat went through with their big three and then some of the teams that they, that they beat that had their own big threes, they beat that big three that is probably, when you look back at it, the Thunder are going to just be revered forever. We beat Harden, KD, and Russ, and that team they had in OKC. We beat the Spurs when they still had their guys and Kawhi. And we basically ended the Celtics' big three, which ended LeBron in Cleveland. When you look at that, I mean, you got to go with the Heat. What they had to go through, just that's the best big three to me. Mike, who who you got? Yeah, so I'm going. I'm going with the same, but Ooh. I would also say Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. Uh, that's you know, to, to to try and choose between the two of them is really tough. But uh, because I also have a bit of a uh, connection to the Miami Heat, being that I live across the street from the arena, <laughs> that's the I, real Miami studio. I, 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 I a beautiful, a beautiful view. <laughs> I need to go. I need to go with the Heat. I mean, I could I could throw a rock at the stadium right now. So uh, yeah, we're gonna go with the Heat. Well, I'm not going to, like, bash you guys on that because I have a little bit of – That's a code word for he's going to bash us. <laughs> Go ahead. So, Mike, now that, you know, we've gotten through the pleasantries of you being as a guest here, blah, 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 now we're going to treat you as one of us, all right? You're both wrong, even though I respect those opinions and that answer. It is clearly the big three of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, and James Worthy, all right? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all-time points leader. Magic Johnson at the time of retirement, number one assist man with over 10,000 assists, still at number five. And then the guy they call Big Game James. I mean, what else do you want in a, in a trio like that? They played together from 83 to 88. That's six seasons. They made five NBA finals. They won three titles. They beat the Celtics twice in that run and then the Pistons. And so, I mean, enough said right there. What else do you want? They've got titles. They almost made the finals every year. And that was in the 80s when they had to go through either the Celtics or the Pistons in the finals, the Houston uh, Rockets out of the West that had, you know, Hakeem back then. So those guys, number one in points. So basically, assists, so basically they didn't play any basketball until the Western Conference Finals. Awesome. Doesn't matter. Look, yeah. Go, well, yeah. I could say the same about the Heat out of the East if you really want to go down that line. They only had to play the Celtics. Who else did they have to play? Different league, harder yeah. competition. Oh, okay. Different yeah, league, harder you're competition. You're right. It was way different back then because it was much more physical. Dude, the Lakers, the Lakers and the Celtics, you know, why they, you know why they have all the championships? Because they had all the players, literally. That's it. So did the Heat. The Heat had the three uh, best players. There were there were the there were two, there were two players. There were three other big threes in the league when we were when we had our big three in Miami. You had the yeah. one in Boston. You had the one in San Antonio, which I'm surprised nobody Boston. Picked. You yeah. you took one of their big three away. Nah, he wasn't a part of that. See, what I got to put up with every every show, Mike Regina. Yeah, but, I, I, I I I could I could see you guys pretty passionate about this. This is uh, this is fun to watch. So. Feel free to chime in, by the way, Mike. You know, we brought you on. This is, this is your time. This is your time. 
So next thing, I, let me start with Mike on this one. Best sports nicknames. You could go past decade or even if you want to open it up to all time, Mike, who, what do you got? What do you got for us? I'm going to go, I think for, for me, I'm going to go with the refrigerator. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Um, more modern, I'm going to go with Pac-Man, Pac-Man Jones. And then <laughs> a classic, classic, I'm going to go Shoeless Joe Jackson. Mm, okay. Baseball. So I like that. I like that. My favorite, my favorite's always been the fridge. All right. Interesting. Okay. JT, what do you got? Uh, well, I didn't know he was going to take it to like the three levels, but um, I got two. <laughs> uh, you know, I got to do the three levels. Just, <laughs> I, I had a hard time. I mean, when I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Jimmy. Well, my three, uh, let's just go uh, basketball. I got to go with flash for D way. That's my, that's my guy. Um, NFL. My two are probably I love the Megatron nickname just because like when you hear Megatron, you're like, this guy's got to be a beast. And he shows up. and You're like, oh, all right, that's a that's a transformer. He's a beast. Um, and funny one that I like. I know he probably thinks it's uh, a little bit disrespectful, but I like the red rifle. I always thought that was funny. Yeah. That's just, oh, that's OK. OK. Um, my favorite one. And I think maybe the best of all time, the classic got to go boxing here. Thomas Hitman Hearns. Um, and then of the recent ones, I wrote two down beast mode, because I think that mm-hmm. kind of changed the way kids yeah. nowadays say, you know, how they play. Right. They also um, don't know his real name. So they just call him beast mode. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the funniest ones, uh, Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval. Um, oh, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> that is funny. And that's in the past decade. And then one other classic one. I like that, Mike, how you call it classic one. Big Shot Bob, Robert Horry. I mean, that's, you know, you got that sort of name. Like, you know, you can stick your chest out a little bit on that one. I like it. Nobody went Big Poppy? Mm, Big Poppy. Big Poppy, good one. Well, speaking of baseball, JT, great segue into another reason why we wanted to bring on the expertise of Mike Regina. So Scott Boris has actually submitted – Uh, Two different proposals to the MLB, one dealing with 162-game league and one for 144-game for this season based on the coronavirus that would have the postseason run through December, actually having Game 6 of the World Series taking place on Christmas. So let me start with Mike on this one. Do you think that would be a good idea for baseball? It depends how how deep this gets into the – the spring and the summer. I mean, if they so could let have me, this season. Uh, let me explain yeah. one other thing with that. His his idea, his proposal is come late in the season, November, late October, November, December World Series, there'd be neutral sites. The three, mm-hmm. three places in L.A. and then um, neutral sites would also include domes like Miami, for example, Houston. So that's kind of another little. Uh, that was going to be my question to you, too. Yeah. Like, it's going to be tough to do it in. December, if some of these cities are right. having snow. So that, that's yeah. part of his proposal. So sorry, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think I think that the, the there's the obvious problem of the NFL. I, I mean, the one thing about this, this current season ending in October and the World Series happening in November is that's at least still early on enough in the NFL season where I think people are going to watch the 
you know, baseball playoffs. But when you start getting towards the end of the season, the games are going to start meaning more in the NFL. I think it's going to be really tough to compete with, uh, with the NFL if you're going to have your postseason going on, you know, just as the NFL postseason is about to start up. And, you know, teams are kind of getting into that final stretch where those regular season games can be, you know, pseudo playoff games. Um, I do like the neutral site. That is some innovative, you know, thinking in my opinion. And that's what the MLB needs to do right now. Um, you know, their average fan is, I think, 53 years old. You know, they have an old fan base. They need to do some drastic stuff, I think, to capture some of the younger generations, Gen Z, the millennials. Um, uh, they're just not watching the MLB right now. And this is a, a weird time. And I think it's an opportunity to do something bizarre. And, and personally, you know, 142 games, 162 games, it's still a really long season. Um, I don't necessarily know that, um, you know, it's going to really change anything for them uh, in terms of, you know, grabbing people's attention. I mean, to me, uh, I, I personally would like to see them do something radical where they do like a truncated playoff system where all 30 teams uh, make that system. And it's sort of like a bracket, three-game series. Uh, so are all- you saying, before you get indefinite, are you saying my Pirates would be in this bracket, yes. like this playoff tournament-style bracket? Yeah, I, I'm loving it already. Like a, like like a, like the uh, the baseball classic, right? It, it it's just it's a tournament, and each team is gonna be in it. Uh, the first, you know, I guess, you know, all of the rounds would be three game series, except for the semis and the finals, which would be you know the traditional seven game series. Uh, that to me is something that can go up against the football season. You know, that will attract attention. It's it's different. It's, uh, you know, completely out of left field, but that's what they need to do. They need to do something different. Um, so, you know, being that the whole season's been kind of, you know, put into question, why not just take a chance doing something, you know, something weird? <laughs> because uh, that, that to me could work. You know, that you could overlap with the NFL season and I think do, do pretty well with that. So that's personally how I feel. So, JT before you know I pepper some questions with Mike's playoff Mike Regina's playoff system which we'll, we'll try to get something together uh, Regina and, for commissioner let's we'll, make yeah it happen. We'll, we'll get a plan together we'll get a proposal in writing out to Rob Ranford so I know he listens to our podcast uh, expect that uh, 120 page document in the near future but JT before we start asking Mike questions on his proposal what do you think of do you think it would be a good idea if baseball went the Scott Boris route if that's if you know they're starting in late July, August 1st, mid-July to still try to fit in the 144 games minimum? This is tough. So I'm probably gonna have to disagree. I think this is a bad idea. And on the surface, it sounds great because Christmas is probably the one time where basketball hasn't started up yet, really. Football is kind of get kind of in the midst of where it's at but you know Christmas time everybody's home they need something to do during the holidays and I just think it baseball just seems like an end of year sport here's the bad part like we already mentioned it if New York if New York makes the playoffs and they're in the World Series 
can't play outdoors in New York in December. You just can't do it. So you said they're going to have to go to these neutral sites in LA um, and some other places with domes. Here's the downside with that. The one thing that is saving baseball is the playoffs. And you know why the playoffs have been great? Because it gives those hometown fans an opportunity to, to go to the games. You cannot, if you're baseball, turn the World Series into the Super Bowl. It does not have that same level of popularity. People are not going to be paying that level of money to travel to L.A. to see three games. This is not going to happen. And I think what's going to be embarrassing is if they do that, the numbers for the World Series will plummet. They need to keep it where those hometown fans have access to the game. And that's what's really making the World Series the World Series, the fact that those people can go. So, Mike, my question to you would be then, and JT, I, I actually kind of agree with you, believe it or not, and most of what you said there. So, Mike, my we, question we, would be – We got we got this on camera, right? We got it on tape that he said that? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, have, right. we have a witness, Mike, too. You, Mike, you heard it, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. We got a witness. JT's going to take you down to the notary public to have something signed and stamped. Um, the, so if my pirates lose, if you're making this a best of three, let's say the season could start August 3rd. You're saying my pirates lose the first two games of the three and their season's done while everyone else plays possibly the, the champs go into September. Is that what you're saying? So basically it's a two That's game right. season. That's right. Yeah. You'd well, be done. You'd be but, done because look, here, here's the thing. I, I agree with Jimmy. I, I think at the end of the day, baseball has two options. They can either have this plan where they where they play all the way through to December, right? You know, try and get 142 games in, and and then I agree. I think they're gonna they're gonna run into a lot of the same problems that um, you know Jimmy just mentioned. You know, in terms of not being able to play in cold weather cities and going up against the NFL while the NFL's you know in the thick of its season. Um, I just don't think it's a very good idea. So I still think you need to try and come up with a system where it's going to be over by October or, you know, the first week in November. Uh, and the only way I can really think of something that would, uh, you know, generate buzz, generate interest, be fun to watch would be, you know, just sort of like a, a, an all out playoff bracket, you know, and, and yeah, unfortunately for your, for your pirates, you, you guys would likely be done in the first round. So. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> JT, don't laugh because the Marlins are right behind my team. But, hey, but we're, but we're doing it on purpose, though. We're trying to be bad. You guys are just doing dumb moves, like giving away all your players. So, But I'm glad you say, like, oh, we're trying to be bad. Because then, Mike, how, how do you come up with a draft order? Because what I would say is if the season starts October or August 3rd or August 10th, just play out whatever's the re whatever is the remainder of the schedule, of the real schedule you had. If that's 55 games – then so be it. Because what I think that does is that puts a lot of pressure on the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, because a lot of times the Pirates and, and Marlins might actually, you know, be only two games out of first place through the first quarter of the year. But then what happens is the talent starts to kick in, right? And that's where, you know, the lower level teams get blown out of the water. Because what I would say is then what you do after that 60 game schedule, if you really want each division, the top two teams, you know, play a um, play, you know, a three game series. And now you're left with the three division winners. The team with the best record of those division winners gets a buy into the NL or the ALCS. Because now I think teams like Tampa, Pittsburgh, um, Cincinnati, they're going to be invested in this 55, 60 games. Because if they get off to a 10 and one start, guess what? 
hey, we're going to the playoffs. Like, we have a shot. Look, I, I, I like that idea more than the current, you know, proposed plan for the MLB. And it's, it's you know, in line with what I'm saying. Less games. Okay, yeah. less games. You know, 140. Yeah, I agree with him on that. You, know, you got to understand, you know, every society right now is on demand quick results, right? And I think that's the reason that baseball has struggled with the younger generations. 162 game season, it's just, it's too long. You know, no, they don't have the attention span to, to stick with that for, for, for an entire season. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta make the most of this situation. You know, you gotta try and make some lemonade out of these lemons, right? And they have an opportunity. They can experiment with this season and nobody's going to blame them, you know, if it goes bad because it was just, it was a, it was a crazy year, right? So, you know, I, I think they have to do something like that where, you know, like you said, Donato, pick up when, whenever things do get cleared and people can go back to, you know, mass gatherings. Yeah, there's no reason for 140 40 game season just right. just play what's left you know the games will mean more and you'll see if there's an you know an increased interest in uh you know the younger people so i i think baseball should do something like that um i personally would love an all-out playoff bracket you know we got it would be got march madness I, I, agree. I think it would just be cool you know in terms of the logistics well, what about the draft order i would say just you just kind of it would just be the same draft order that currently exists right this would be a playoff it's just like the baseball classic do something fun let the yankees you know potentially get knocked out in the first round and like i just think it's it's a it would be a very very unique way to deal with this situation but i'm also um totally for what you just said which is just pick up the season wherever you are you know if that's 40 games are left and that's all you get you know you got 40 games to make the playoffs you know maybe maybe add another playoff team or two but you know what i like uh, about his idea he made a good point sorry to cut you off but he made a good point no. about um this is a great way to do like a trial and error because it's it's a shortened season due to the coronavirus like nobody knows what's going to happen how awesome would it be if they did they went that route of making the playoffs like everybody can get in, but the only way the Astros can qualify is like every game they have to start down by like two runs or something like that. That that would yeah. be something like that would be great for baseball because yeah. it kind of gives them their punishment, but they still get to compete. There's actually a good way that they can punish the Astros here under my current system because if you think about it, there's 30 teams, right? So the bracket doesn't work unless two teams get a bye, okay, in the first round. Naturally, that should be the two teams that played in the World Series last year. So the Nationals should get a bye. And then theoretically, the Astros should be getting a bye. Well, the MLB can just simply not give it to the Astros and instead give it to the Yankees, okay? That would be a way that one, it makes the bracket actually work. And you kind of stick it to the Astros a little bit. You know, I think you're going to have a lot of people who uh, are going to feel good that something material is happening to them. So, you know, instead of giving them a first round buy, like the Nationals are going to get, you know, make the Astros have to play in the first round, uh, preferably against the Pirates. Whoa, 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 man. My, my Pirates, come on. Yeah. Um, what, 
Let me ask you this, because we threw out a lot of ideas for MLB. I think a lot of the ones that we talked about would work. I think we're all hesitant for it to go into Christmas because of bowl games, NFL, NBA. What about, and I know this is kind of off the cuff here, so you know, if you don't have an opinion on it, that's great, but I just thought of it now. NBA may be in a more difficult position, because what if it is going to start July 15th? What do you, like, JT, you're, you're the basket. You love basketball. What, what would Adam Silver do if it's July 15th or even July 1st, June 30th, whatever you pick a date? You mean as far as just resuming the season? Yeah, like, I don't know if it's resuming, but what would you do if you're the NBA? What, what do you think's their their best option? I think the NBA is in the, the easiest position because they are the one sport out of the, the big three that they have the path to getting the game started faster because they don't need the fans to be there. NBA is all watched on TV and online anyway. So whoa, whoa, not according to LeBron. He wants the fans there as much as possible. Well, he's just going to have to play wherever they tell him to show up. So sorry. To, so I know he runs the league, but he, if, if the season resumes, he's just not going to play because the fans aren't there. Come on, please. But yeah, I think that the NBA had a good idea. We talked about this earlier, just getting to some neutral sites, making sure all this, all the staff, all the coaches, all the players are uh, coronavirus free. Once they're, once they're confirmed as coronavirus free, getting into some, you know, remote location where all the teams and all the staff can be and just start playing the games. And they can, they have the fast, the path to resume in their season, the fastest. Okay. Mike, uh, do you have any ideas on what the NBA can do? Yeah, I think the NBA can just pick up, uh, you know, where they left off and, and continue on. Uh, you know, if that means going later into the NFL season, I don't think that really impacts them. You know, the, the NBA has been trending in the right direction, whereas MLB has been going in the opposite direction. So I think for Major League Baseball, it's tougher. You know, they, they should look at this as an opportunity to experiment with some kind of shortened season, right? Uh, the, the NBA, I think they just, you know, when they can start, they pick up the games, you know, probably the first, uh, you know, month or so will have to be without fans. But, you know, hopefully by the time they hit the playoffs, things are back to normal and they could actually have packed stadiums again. But, yeah, I, I think it's a less complicated issue for NBA. You know, I think they just sort of pick up and finish out their season. Well, so for the you, Marlins, that won't change. I mean, we're used to playing without fans anyway, so this yeah, is actually right, probably exactly. an advantage for us. Yep. So what do you guys think about this? What What would the downside be here? It's July 15th, and you don't want to be – I mean, you still had like at least a month and a half of the season, right? That would bring you to September, October for the playoffs. You don't want to compete with the NBA or with the NFL – what if it's July 15th? They're like, hey, you can start back up. Maybe not full, full arenas yet, whatever. Maybe the J JT's idea, I like going to a complex, a compound, and, and have them play it there. But the season's over at this point in terms of the regular season. Listen, there are 17 games left. I told JT earlier in the show, that's 22% of the season. Look at the East. My Magic are up five and a half, game on, five and a half games on the Wizards. Realistically, do the Wizards have a shot at that eight seed? We don't know. They'd have to make up five and a half games in 17 attempts. Donato's I just don't like think the, the magic are getting I, in the playoffs. Just, I don't, just cut it off today. It's, it's over. <laughs> I don't think that happens. Now, you look at the West, what you can do, and maybe this is a little bit of a disadvantage, but the Grizzlies are three and a half up on the Trailblazers. Could they catch them? Sure, because the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Spurs are all within uh, three and a half, or I'm sorry, are all within four games. Maybe what you do there 
is a best of three between those four or five teams. And then you're right into the playoffs. Now, it would be an advantage for whoever makes the eight seed out of the West because they've had three games to warm up. But in the meantime, a couple of those other playoff teams could be playing the non-playoff teams as far as some scrimmages to warm up. But I think the playoffs are pretty much set. And the only reason why the NBA would keep playing is because of revenue. But if there's not going to be fans in the stands anyway, what's the point of playing those 17 games? Honestly, what is it? You can come up with your draft order, get into the playoffs. July 15th, by Labor Day, you're in the NBA Finals. In, in the NFL doesn't play until the weekend after Labor Day anyway. But you're assuming also, too, I think the NBA is in the, the best position to win first just because they, like we, we already just talked about, they have the game plan or the blueprint to how to get it started. And you're assuming that the NFL is going to be up and ready to go by Labor Day anyway. So their season might their reports their season might not happen at all for 2020. So I think whoever, whatever sport makes it back first is going to be a winner. And it's probably going to be the NBA because we're, we're going to be craving some sort of professional sports. But so whenever that first sport comes back, everybody's going to be gravitating toward it and jumping but on that think bandwagon. About, but think about all of the challenges you would have with trying to reset the schedule and making sure every arena is available. And then the, there's enough hotels and then this, well, I think, and then I, that. I, well, like, I agree with you on that. That's I, think difficult. This, I think this only works if they do the neutral site thing. They have to get everybody to the neutral site. They can't be worried about traveling. Everybody has to go to this one place. I'll actually like your idea about the the East. Probably you're right. The five games with the Magic and the Wizards is too much to make up in the 17 game span. Cool. In the West, let them do like a kind of like a play in, like best of three. I like that. That way you can start the playoff. Not too. Not there's not too much time going through that. And then you have the playoff bracket set, and then you just play as normal. So, yeah, I, I like that idea. All right. I'm about, I'm about the playoff idea. It's a theme. It's the theme of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is all about competition. I mean, I, 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 I think we've, we've come up with some good ideas. And I think they're going to have to be flexible, though, because if this thing can start June 30th, then I think that does change the game. But if it goes into late August, because now Kirk Herbstreet, came out not that he has any inside info but i don't know if you guys saw it he just said one of his own opinions and comments that he'd be shocked if there was a college football season and that's like to i think the three of us that's a little crazy that's a little frightful there but um we'll see we'll see uh so mike i know this is the first time on the show we have a segment in order of Jersey Shore t-shirt no, time. he has a segment. He that has is why for, for the viewers, the listeners at home, I know we're not on uh, YouTube or video uh, recording yet, but my shirt is GTL in the Italian flag colors, stands for Jim Tan Laundry in honor of Jersey Shore. Mike Regina, big fan of theirs, just like I am of Jersey, of the Jersey Shore show, kept us entertained. JT is not, but... In honor of that, Mike Regina, we have something called trivia time. So, right. you ready for this? I mean, I yeah, think these I think these are reasonable today. JT, I expect you to get a couple of these. Mike, I know you're a sports guy, a lot of knowledge. I expect you to get some of these too. So, let's start off with this one. All right, it's an NFL question. Who is the only NFL player ever to lead the league four straight years in total yards from scrimmage? So let me repeat that again for the people at home. 
who is, and don't Google this at home, who is the only NFL player ever to lead the league four straight years in total yards from scrimmage? So think about what position that would have to entail because we're talking about total yards from scrimmage. I think the only quarterback that could do that is probably Peyton Manning. Hmm. Well, it would not include would not include quarterbacks. No, if they're a running quarterback, sure, but right. it's yards right. from scrimmage. Four straight years. Four straight years. That's a long time. It is. It is. And you got to be really good, and you got to be in the right offense. If it's if it's the last twenty years, I'm thinking it's either Tomlinson or, or Falk. You, you need a hint. Yeah. It's within our lifetime, and I was gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with OJ. OJ, no, a little too far back, mm-hmm. a little too far back. What's your clue? So I'll give you two clues. The first one I will give you is he played late '80s to early 2000s, mm-hmm. and then I think the second clue, if you still can't get it, I'm gonna piggyback off of Regina's answer. And then I think you'll definitely get it. Emmett. Nope. You're getting closer, though. You're in that right time span. You're in. JT, no guess? Come on. Barry Sanders? Nope. But you guys are right around it. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. You guys should think about it. I should put you in a breakout room here on Zoom. And Wait, that, did he play for the Patriots at any point? No. No, no, no. What's your what's your final clue before my you before final you clue us? is my final clue is play for the same team OJ did. Take whichever team Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas. There, there we go. go. Thurman Thomas. All right. Let's go. Let's go. NBA. We'll switch back and forth. NBA. Who are the only two teammates to score 40 plus points in the same NBA finals game? Oh, we got another stumper here. I'm going to go Harden and Durant. Nope. Not bad, though. Not bad. You're around that correct time frame. Definitely during our uh, lifetime and somewhat recent. Yes. NBA Finals, 40 40 points apiece? Yep. You say our lifetime. We're old, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's feeling like that nowadays. (laughs) Uh, that's tough Um, hmm. I want to say Shaq and Kobe but I know that's not true Shaq and Kobe is not it Uh, who is it I'll give you you want one you want one more guess yeah, I'll take another. I'll take another hint. Go ahead. So the hint. So the hint would be. Ah, man. Um, one of these guys played for the Heat at one point, but he did not do this while with the Heat. 
He did play for the Heat or he does play for the Heat? He, he did, did at he one point. He did play for the Heat at one point. But he did not do this while with the Heat. I might well, have that's to put a crappy it. clue then. That's a great clue. Think of there's not too many uh, great Heat players lately that played in the finals. Was it LeBron and Kyrie? There you go. LeBron all and right. Kyrie, game five of the 2016 finals. All right. All right. Not bad. Taking you guys a little while. All right, let's go. We talked about Tom Brady a lot on this show the last couple episodes. Beside Tom Brady, who is the only other QB to start a playoff game for Belichick as head coach? Spurgeon win. <laughs> no, I don't know why you pulled that one out, but definitely not. You have a hmm. guess, Mike? It would have to be Bledsoe. No, no, he was injured. He was injured. It was not. Here, I'll give you – you guys want a hint? It's a Cleveland Browns quarterback. What? Well, uh, you're, you're right. You are right. I it just don't it. know who the – I don't know who the quarterback <laughs> was. You, you guys want a I hint? I didn't know that he made the, made, the, uh, made the playoffs with Cleveland. Yep. Yeah, that one year he did. Yeah. Yes. The, the year right before they left the, – the year prior to them leaving. So – the the last year there they did not, but the year before that they did. You want a hint? Yeah, give me a hint because I don't I don't I don't he, remember who that quarterback he was. He played quarterback for the U. Oh gosh, is uh, Testaverde? Vinny Interceptaverde. Wow. So fun. So funny. Funny thing. I we did not plan this. So you brought so you brought up Testaverde. So that got me thinking. <laughs> Uh, that's a long thought there. <laughs> yeah, we think it. <laughs> About what? If I want you to name who are the top five quarterbacks on the NFL's most career losses list. Wow. Is this your trivia to me? That is my trivia to you. Jeez. I'll give you a I'll give you a hint. Two of them are still playing. Hmm. Wow. Well, we gotta go. I would have to say Drew Brees. Yeah, he's one of them. Two of them are still playing. Ugh. Who's another? Who's another? Eli Manning. He's Eli. actually on the list. He's number three. And then you're saying the other three are retired? Well, here's the thing. Uh, Eli's on that list. Drew Brees is still playing. There's one more active guy, and then the remaining guys are, okay. are retired. Mike, who do you think the other active guy is? The other active guy, I'm going to go with Rivers. Yep, that, that should be easy. Okay. I'm all just right. counting on you, Don. <laughs> well, right, so you know, you got, I, didn't want, I didn't want to take all of them. I, you know, I knew he knew. I'm sure that's what it was. So you guys got Eli, <laughs> Breeze, and Rivers. So that leaves you three more. Wow, the other two. I mean, got to think of a I'm quarter. I'm sorry, top, top six, top six. So there's three more. Three more. I mean, Mike, we got to think of a guy that has longevity is key. Yeah. One of them should be easy. I'll give you a hit. One of them should be easy because he played a long time, but he also has a lot of negative stat records. Brett Favre? Uh-huh. Number two. So at least two more. Two more. I'm, I'm going to take a – man, this is tough. Who's the yeah, number I one? Say, I want to say a guy like Fitzpatrick, but uh, – I don't think he's he played enough. I don't think he has enough wins to qualify yeah. for enough losses on this list. Hmm. I'll give you a, I'll give you guys one last hint for these last two. 
one of them is a Hall of Famer and one of them is not. Marina. No, good guess, though. John Elway? Nope. Ah, Jim Kelly? Nope. Mm. Fran Tarkenton? Nope. Roger Stahlbach? No. I'll give you I'll give you one more hint. As great as one of these quarterbacks was, I'm surprised that he played enough NFL games to have to be top six, six in losses. Warren Moon? Ah, there you go. Now who's old number one? Yeah, that was a good one. I wouldn't have guessed that. That was a good guess, Donato. Appreciate it. We got, we got one guy left, and we you got, said not a Hall of Famer. One guy left, not a Hall of Famer. And he's number one. And he's number one. <laughs> all by himself. Wow. Wow. Hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, the era. Well, think about somebody who played enough games to have this many losses. Archie Manning. No. That was a good one. That actually – I feel like I can't give you a hint to this one. It'd be too easy. Man. It's Did right. It? It's right under your nose. Is it Testaverde? Yeah. Ah, there we go. It's Vinny <laughs> Testaverde. <laughs> That's crazy that we got two answers of Vinny Testaverde on this show. We fans at home, listeners at home, we actually did not plan that. If not, I would have guessed that answer a long time ago. That's funny. VT, number one, 126 <laughs> all-time. Rivers at 107 and Drew Brees at 119. So Brees could realistically catch him. Wow. I guess that makes sense. He played a lot of years with a lot of bad teams between the Bucks, yeah, the Jets, and the Browns, huh? Mm. Shout out to you with getting the Warren Moon. I didn't know if you would get that hint, but I, you obviously did because he didn't start his career in the NFL. So I was shocked right. that he played enough games to lose that many. That's why originally I didn't, I didn't think so. But then when you think about how old he was when he finished with like the Seahawks and the Vikings, it, I guess that makes sense. I guess that makes sense. All right, good old Vinny Interceptiverde, as we used to call him in Pittsburgh. So got some more trivia, though, for you. Mike oh, Regina, don't, don't go anywhere. We got some – we got to fill that NCAA basketball void here. Uh, dating coach and player swept the awards of coach of the year and player oh, of the Dayton. year. Oh, I thought you said dating coach. I was like, oh, Dayton. Have those? Sorry. No, the Dayton Flyers. Sorry. So prior to them, who were the last coach and player from the same team in NCAA basketball to do so for men's basketball? Mm. Player of the year, you said? Player of the year as well as coach of the year from the same team. Rose and Calipari? Uh, no. Good guess, but no. I, I don't believe uh, Calipari won Coach of the Year that year. Should have. Memphis went to the, the championship. <laughs> What's that? Should have. Memphis went I know. with one player. I know. This is a tough one. You, you don't have to go back super far, but uh, this is probably, I would say, early 2000s, I believe. Early 2000s. And, JT, th this – team actually came up on one of our recent podcast shows but oh, we gosh. mentioned is one it, of the okay, other player so, uh, is is it is one of them jameer nelson 
Yep, Jameer Nelson so was the player. Okay, so I don't know the guy's name, but I said it because I saw I, <laughs> it's some Italian coach. I yep. said his name because I saw it online. And I was so, like, "That's your boy." So All Mike right, Regina, cool. as my Italian brother, we got another Paisano on the show. Mike, don't let me down. Who was the Italian coach for St. Joseph's with Jameer no, Nelson? Yeah. No, oh. no clue. JT, any guess? No, I forgot. His and name don't just I make have... up some random last name with a vowel at the end. You don't want to do that to me. <laughs> so it was Phil Martelli. Phil Martelli. We just talked about him. You're right. <laughs> All right. Let me go two more. These are more of a little bit of surprise, JT. But, Mike, you you can chime in on this. The Clippers purchased a form for $400 million. JT, how? what will be your lasting memory of the form? Oh, man. Uh, just Going there as a kid, uh, meeting Magic Johnson, and um, just watching the game from the skybox with the owner at the time, Jerry Buss. That's crazy. That's what, the only time I've ever been to the forum. That is crazy. What a what a once in a lifetime chance, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Good memory, good, good memory for you, um, Mike. Do you have one of the forum? I mean, I know I'm, not, you're not, not a like, huge. No, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, can't, I can't say that I did the same. <laughs> you know. I think a lot of people that watched basketball in the 80s, even though I didn't really, people remember the form for uh, the post-game post parties uh, after the Lakers games, man. That must have been a crazy time. Yep, crazy the, forum, time. the forum club. Definitely a lot of rich people in there. Jamal Wilkes and Magic Johnson had the, the back room of the forum. Um, one last thing, I thought this was interesting. If you guys had to guess, Which album or song, I should say, is in the Archived and Library of Congress first? Dr. Dre's The Chronic or Jay-Z's The Blueprint? Chronic. Which one got in first? Chronic. Chronic. Mike, what do you say? Chronic. It was Jay-Z's Blueprint. The Chronic is just has just been announced that it will be archived this year along with Tina Turner's Private Dancer and Whitney's I Will Always Love You. So Jay-Z's Blueprint got in before all of those classics. East Coast Bias, you were, you really went deep to get these questions today. I, I don't, <laughs> the, the quarantine has done, done you a service. Good job. All right. I figured you guys would enjoy that. Um, Mike Regina, I hope you had a great time. Thank you for your time. We hope – you would love to come back on in the future. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. And once this uh, whole mess ends, I want to uh, stop by the Miami studio. Maybe we can get, maybe we can get you down here too, Donna. I would love that. Flights don't, are cheap right now, but I'm not don't, taking Don't start chance. that with him. He's looking for any excuse to get <laughs> down here. <laughs> maybe we can do a live show from South Beach somehow. We just set up on the dunes there. See what you started? He's but, literally like, uh, the groundhog saw a shadow. I'm coming to Miami. We're not accepting any visitors anymore. Florida's closed. Florida border's closed. Even me? Even yeah, me? Sorry. Just, just to Italians. Even the dog. <laughs> uh, so on that note, again, Mike from JT and I, thank you very much. Great insight on the Carolina Panthers as well as uh, Major League Baseball and some of the other fun topics we did today. So we hope to see you again in the future. Stay safe. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. JT, great show. And remember, subscribe 
to us, JT and the Don podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app. And please remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. Please follow us on social media, our handle at JT and the Don. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So again, thank you very much for listening. And until the next episode, JT, see ya. Peace.